welcome to the weekly podcast of Covenant Grace Menifee. Each week, we gather to better understand the teachings of the Bible and how to live them out in our daily lives. We hope and pray that you're encouraged by this week's message. My family looks forward to, or at least they tell me they do, and uh, we get to spend a lot of time with our families and, and kind of focus on the things that are important in life, right? We, we just we remember why we're here and, and why that's important. And this is kind of the spirit of Christmas. And we don't have to be a believer to feel it. And the odd thing about it, actually, is everybody feels it. And, and all of those things that I talked about, like all the, the, the cookies and the cakes and the decorations and even the kindness and the generosity have nothing directly to do with the birth of Christ, right? It, I mean, it's a cool time of year because people are more open, but most people aren't open to kindness and generosity because they're linking that back to the birth of Christ. It's just kind of this overflow. So we look at Christmas, and, or I look at Christmas in this kind of duality because we can get so busy in the preparation for Christmas and we can be so encouraged by the spirit of Christmas that we miss the single most important event in history, right? The incarnation. And the incarnation is a theological term for the union of the divinity of God and the humanity in one person, Jesus Christ. And it occurred the moment when Jesus, the eternal Son of God, humbled himself to take on flesh and become a man. And, and it's, it's kind of this cool thing, as, as I was prepping for this, thinking, when did the incarnation happen? And the incarnation happened at the moment that Christ became that, that embryo or that, that, you know, that fetus, as, as our culture would call it. And, and he was incarnated at that moment to become a man. And the incarnation lasted all the way through the cross when he died. And then it continued as he was resurrected and, and lives today uh, on, on the throne with, uh, with God, the Father. So the incarnation is, is currently happening because Christ is still a man. So if we look at the incarnation and the mystery of this, the, the verse that always comes to mind is John 1, and it perfectly captures this mystery. Uh, it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. This passage is so cool because it tells us things about Jesus, right? I mean, he was there in the beginning. Jesus is eternal. He didn't begin at birth. He, be he became man. He was already in existence, so he was eternal. Now, really cool is Jesus, because he's part of the Godhead or the Trinity, it, this passage refers to him in both in the singular and the plural, right? He was with God, and he was God. There was this, this plurality that's going on. It also, in this passage, talks about him as the source of life and the source of goodness. It also talks about him as the source of knowledge because it refers to him as the word or the gnosis, right? This is the, the Greek word for, uh, for like knowledge and, and understanding and, and things like that. So this passage is thick with mystery because God is a great mystery. And, and I want us to just think about this for a minute because if, we, if we're talking about the incarnation, we're talking about this moment when Mary is birthing Christ 
if we don't understand who God was, then we lose out on what happened in the incarnation. And, you know, we can't comprehend it, but we can, we can wrestle with it. Because God is not able to be comprehended. And if he was, he wouldn't be powerful enough to be the God we needed, right? Because if, if we could comprehend God, he would not be nearly complex enough to make something like the incarnation happen. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, if we look at uh, the, the incarnation and, and the purpose of it, the whole purpose of it was, John, uh, in, like in John 1.14, it says that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. This comprehension, this desire for God to comprehend, uh, for us to comprehend him and, and be able to communicate with him, is made possible because Christ became a man. This whole uh, you know, understanding of who God is and, and how we were created in his image is brought into focus when Jesus walks the earth uh, among us. And it was a miraculous act of loving humility, right? A miraculous act of loving humility. It was miraculous because of the nature of his birth, right? Remember, he was born of a virgin, right? He was uh, foretold by prophecy for thousands of years before, uh, it's the, the most difficult thing to grasp is that he was both God and man, right? Because only a God who is in control of all creation could make an event like this come to pass, that there could be this, this man who had everything of humanity in him, but also still held his place uh, as God. Uh, it was an act of humility because of the sacrifice that it required, if we look at Philippians 2, it says, uh, in, uh, it starts in, I think it's verse 4, I actually didn't make the note here. Uh, Philippians 2 describes the sacrifice, it says, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. That's a, I, I just feel like we need to look at that for a second, um, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. So just understand that that passage means that we are all in the form of a servant, right? He became a man, he became a human, he became the form of a servant. We were created to serve God. And, and I think we forget that a lot of the time. So just a, a little bit of an aside. Um, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even death on a cross. Uh, C.S. Lewis explains it from another perspective, just this, this act of humility. Uh, he says, God could, uh, ha had he pleased, have been incarnated as a man of iron nerves, the stoic sort who lets no sigh escape him. But of his great humility, he chose to be incarnate in a man of delicate sensibilities who wept at the grave of Lazarus and sweated blood in Gethsemane. Otherwise, we should have missed the great lesson that it is by his will alone that a man is good or bad, and that feelings are not in themselves of any importance. And I love that Lewis uh, captures this thought, that Jesus was an emotional person, and that he felt things, you know, he, he felt pain and sorrow and fear, and this did not make him a sinner, right? Those emotions in and of themselves there was nothing wrong with that. In fact, there was everything right with that. It was those very emotions that Christ felt that allows us 
to be able to connect and to comprehend and to understand who God is. Lewis continues, he said, we should also uh, have missed the all-important help of knowing that he has faced all the weakest of us, uh, all that the weakest of us have faced, has shared not only the strength of our nature, but every weakness of it except sin. If he had been incarnate in a man of immense natural courage, that would have been for many of us almost the same as, his, as him not being incarnate at all. Right? The whole point of the incarnation is God becoming man so that we could relate to him. Right? I mean, this, this just, I feel like this is just, it just blows my mind. I mean, I've been thinking about this obviously for, for two weeks, and every time I come back to it and, and just look at it, I think this is uncomprehensible and so amazing. This great act of humility was done out of love, right? I mean, like, not only was there sacrifice and humility involved, not only did he need the power to be able to even make this happen, you know, in, in, in physics and science, and, you know, we can kind of discuss all that stuff, but uh, this was done, and it started with this, this love, because Jesus was a good person, and, and he became a good man when he became a man. And not just a good, not just good like you or I are, but perfectly good. Because, you know, there's goodness in us, but we're not good, right? Like Jesus says, like, you know, no one is good but God. And we have goodness in him in that reflect, or we have goodness in us from that reflection, but Jesus was perfectly good. And he is holy and just and pure. And that goodness caused him to be stirred by his great love for his creation so that he would walk among us, that, he may know, that we may know him and through knowing him be restored by him. Right? That's like really cool, really good news. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer talks about this restoration that we have, uh, not just in the cross, but through the incarnation. Uh, and the source of this restoration is that perfect goodness of God presented in Jesus in the form of a man. So uh, this, is, this is really heady. Like me, Bonhoeffer was German, so I, that just, like he thought a lot apparently and uh, <laughs> had to struggle with, you know, trying to be assassinated and assassinate Hitler and things like that. So he, uh, he had a lot of time to think in prison and, and, you know, wrote these books and stuff. And this is just, it's, it's a really great quote, but I'm going to go through it slowly because, you know, we're talking about the incarnation and recovery of all this stuff. So um, just, just try, to, try to stick with us. It says, and in the incarnation, the whole human race recovers the dignity of the image of God. Henceforth, any attack, even on the least of men, is an attack on Christ, who took the form of a man and in his own person restored the image of God in all that bears a human form. I mean, Bonhoeffer's making the case that Jesus, by becoming a perfect man, has redeemed humanity from itself. He continues, through fellowship and communion with the incarnate Lord, we recover our true humanity. And at the same time, we are delivered from that individualism, which is the consequence of sin, and retrieve our solidarity with the whole human race. By being partakers of Christ incarnate, we are partakers in the whole humanity which he bore. We know that we have been taken up and born in the humanity of Jesus, and therefore that new nature we know, or we now enjoy, means that we too must bear the sins and sorrows of others. 
the incarnate Lord makes his followers the brothers of all mankind. Through the incarnation, from, from the moment of conception all the way to now, Christ is the example that we can follow and that we can see that our life is called to be lived like. Right? So this incarnation, I mean, it, it's, it's huge. It's, it's a massive miracle. I mean, like incarnation, resurrection, you know, I mean, it's kind of like I love my daughter, I love my son, different, but, but the same. <clears throat> so on this holy night of Christ's birth, um, in a barn or a cave or a stable, the creator of the universe took on flesh, and wherever you're at right now, you should just meditate on that, right? And think about the sacrifice that that was, think about the miracle that that was, just think about the, the enormity that it carried. Because that's, that's why we as Christians set Christmas aside, is to, to reflect on the birth of Christ and the incarnation. Uh, but it's funny because as this happened, this, this most important of historical events, everybody missed it, right? Jesus cried, nobody noticed. The town didn't like erupt in praise and, and you know, uh, hallelujahs and praise the Lord's. Uh, Bethlehem was overflowing with people, right? The, the census had been called. The inn is full. You know, the, the people of Bethlehem are, are going through life like they normally would. They're preparing meals for their families, and they're raising their children. They're working, and they're living out their daily routines, right? They probably, there's probably families there who have folks who came from afar, who they maybe even have never met, and they're like, hey, we're brother and sister from, you know, Nazareth, and we're here to stay with you because the inn's full. So they're like prepping for family time and things like this because it's not that, you know, like, I mean, we, I think when we think about this story, we think of Mary and Joseph, and they come down the road, and they get to the inn, and they're like, knock, 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 and the innkeeper's like, oh, sorry, well, we got the barn. You can go in there. I mean, she's pregnant. I guess it's okay. And then Mary walks into the, the barn, and she's like, oh, labor pain. You know, here's Jesus. Like, it probably didn't happen like that because it said while they were there, right? So, so they were probably there for a while because, you know, governments are not usually really efficient things. I mean, that, we kind of find out where I'm at. Um, but, you know, I mean, I, I don't gather that this was the, the case here. It wasn't like, all right, here you are. Here's your census form. You're all done. You can head back to Nazareth. You know, there probably some bureaucracy, probably some, you know, things going on. There was a long journey. Uh, you know, they got to get there and then rest. I mean, Mary's pregnant, so she's not just like, all right, that was a nice uh, three-day trip. I'm ready to go back, right? So, they're, they're, they're there for a while, and while they were there, she, uh, you know, she gave birth. So the people are grumbling, I'm guessing, about the government who overstepped its power and made us go to Bethlehem and you know, down with Caesar and, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, there's people sleeping, for re- they're resting for the next day, and there's people who couldn't rest because they were in pain or they were sick. Uh, there's people who were looking forward to their futures, right? Kids who were probably dreaming about their you know, fun time they're going to have at the next festival or, or thinking about, you know, I want to do what dad does or I want to do what mom does and, and kind of thinking about them growing up and, and what that would look like. And there's people, there were people there who could not let go of the past, right? People who were stuck in a tragedy or a wrong or a better time. And, and all of these people were living their lives 
And none of them noticed the single most miraculous event in history had just taken place in their city. And the reason they didn't is because they're just like us. Right? I mean, this isn't like, oh man, those people, they missed it. Like, we would have missed it too. Like, if there was a baby born in the hallway over there, we wouldn't necessarily know. Because we, no matter what we try to do, are the center of our universe. Because... (laughs) Our perspective is limited, right? We only get to see and hear and and experience the things that we get to experience. Like right now, you guys are all having a different experience than me. Like I'm up here thinking like, oh, this is good stuff. And you guys are thinking like, well, maybe not. And hopefully the spirit makes a gap, right? And and brings to light the good things. Uh, But we all experience even this moment differently because we are the center of our universe. And that's the struggle of Christianity is to make sure that we fight against that, and, and we see from other folks. And, and uh, before, you know, we, we get feeling bad or guilty about that, we have to remember it, that no matter what, we are the center of our universe, and God's not surprised by it. He knows our limitations. He knows our weaknesses. It's the exact reason that the incarnation happened, because we are the center of our universe, and for him to come and connect with us, he had to come and walk with us. So the incarnation is actually God understanding that about us and and moving forward so that we could know him. Uh, So Jesus had a fairly humble birth, you know, not much fanfare by earthly standards, but there was an amazing birth announcement, right? I mean, think about like birth announcements that we send out. We think we can send animated internet birth announcements and stuff out like, you know, baby cries or whatever. I mean, Jesus had an angel and host be his birth announcement. It was the best internet birth announcement ever uh, in the sky for the, for, the whole, uh, for the whole group of shepherds to see. But before we talk about the shepherds and the angels and, and the announcement, I want to tell you guys, in, in all of this study, the most, Im- the most encouraging thing that I came across was verse 8. And it's that first four words of verse 8. And, and it says, in the same region. Because here are the shepherds watching their flock by night, working, you know, they're working class guys. They're blue collar. They're, they're providing for their families. They're focused on a job. Um, you know, they're, they're pursuing their dreams or, or you know, daily sustenance or, or whatever, you know, kind of is, is filling their day. They're just normal people. But in the same region... God is working in a miraculous way, right? And that's really cool. Like in the same region of these guys who are just working and living, God is working in a miraculous way and they're unaware of it. It reminded me that wherever we are, like wherever, whatever we're doing in the same region, Jesus is present, right? I mean, whether we're working or struggling or, you know, we have a time of joy or a time of sadness and sorrow, like Jesus is in the same region, Whatever we're experiencing, whatever we're holding on to, whatever joy or sorrow that that we're feeling, in the same region that we're in, God is at work in a miraculous way. And I just, I came back to this and it was like, man, this is so cool to see. But even though shepherds, it, it took a messenger to remind them and to let them know that God was present and that God was working. So as the shepherds watched their flocks, uh, we see in, in verse 8, 
<clears throat> or verse 9 actually, it says, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And we need to hear this, right? Because to the shepherds, this was just another night. And they were living out their lives, caught up in their routine, and all of a sudden, God moved. And, and I think, you know, I look back at my life. There's many, many times that I feel like I'm just spinning my wheels or, you know, I just, I'm, I'm doing the same things. And then all of a sudden, everything changes. You get a phone call and, and your problem is solved. Or, you know, on the reverse side, you, you get a phone call and, and tragedy strikes and, and something's happening. And, and it changes your perspective and, and why you're here and, and what you're focused on. And it, and it reminds you that there are more important things going on. You know, that life is about more than just making sure the bills are paid and, and making sure that at the end of the day I have a little bit of, of, you know, enjoyment and comfort and relaxation so that I can do it again tomorrow. Uh, my prayer today is that we would leave here having heard from God. That, that today, as we read this passage, we would hear the message all over again. Because we all have plans, right? This is just another Sunday, right? We might think, we're going to go home and watch some football. Or, you know, we're going to go and get lunch afterward. Or we've got some Christmas shopping to do. Or, you know, I got to, you know, next week is, is Christmas. I'm going to go to the store this week and try to miss the, the, the craziness. Because Christmas, it's easy to get caught up in all the things that we have to do with the decorations and the food and even the family, which is good. And we can miss that in the same region, Jesus is present. That he is Savior and that he came for all people to give peace. And if you're hearing that message today, we should respond like the shepherds did. And it's interesting because as I was reading the passage in the beginning, I, I, you know, I mean, I've been going through this passage so often in the last couple of weeks, and, and I, it just stood out to me as I was reading in the beginning the word that they made haste. And, and the whole time I knew that, you know, the shepherds went, that they sought after what God had told them, but that, that word that they made haste to do it. You know, they didn't make sure that everything was in order. I mean, they left their flock, they left their livelihood in the field to go and seek what God had shown them. So the shepherds did, see, did three things, right? Uh, they, they, would, they should, <laughs> sorry, let me make sure that I get my grammar right in this as I have it written. So we should do three things like the shepherd did. We should seek, we should share, and we should sing. In verse 15, we see the shepherds discuss among themselves to travel to Bethlehem to see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And if you're sitting in this room or listening online and you've heard about the miracle of the incarnation, you need to seek it out. We need to seek Christ out. And we do that. How do we do that? How do we seek Christ today? Because there's, you know, we're not next to Bethlehem. Obviously, this message is giving us something else. But the incarnation has happened. How do we seek Christ now? The Bible, right? We study our word. Each other, we're all made in the image of God. Like The Lord brings a church together, brings a people together that we might reflect God to one another. 
We need to seek relationship with one another in order to seek Christ. Because it's only through that relationship are we going to stop being the center of our universe and start seeing the universe from other perspectives. Right? Does that make sense? We need to pray. Right? We seek Christ through, through prayer. And, and it's through these things. If we, if we seek out the teachings of the word, we seek out the people of the church, we seek Christ through prayer and fasting. You know, I mean, fasting is a discipline that, that I think many of us do not take part in, and it has really, really good uh, fruit in, in your life. You know, I mean, when, you, when you fast and you, you struggle through that desire to eat, it's a, it's a rehearsal of struggling through temptation. And, it, and it, has, I mean, it has physical benefits and all kinds of other things too. So I encourage you guys, if you've never fasted, you know, put some time aside and fast um, in that. Uh, go and see these things that God has made known, made known to you so that you would know him more. Seek God. Now you're also called to share. The, the whole uh, thing with the, the shepherds going is... You know, they were told, hey, over in that city. But they didn't, he didn't say like, oh, yeah, it's on, uh, you know, 346 Main Street in the inn. Just, it, they're, they're in the barn because they're not in the inn. Just go in there, and, and he's in the manger. You know, go, go and check it out. Uh, they had to ask. They had to share. They had to talk to people. And, and they weren't afraid to. They were actually, it was just overflowing in them. Because in, in, we see in 17, they shared with all they could find. And anyone who heard it, they were filled with wonder. And it also encouraged Mary, right? She treasured these things in her heart. So when we think about sharing the story of Christ, think about sharing this message, don't forget, we don't just share this to people who don't know Christ, we share it to those who know Christ because it can be an encouragement, right? We can be, uh, as believers, we can be in a a place of of, of hurt or bitterness or confusion and, and we can need to hear the voice of Christ through another. We need to hear the message that Christ has given you to encourage us as well because what we are given is meant to be given to another. Uh, we need to share our story with those who have heard the message and those who have not. Um, and finally, <clears throat> once they had talked, you know, they've shared their story, they've gone through, and uh, you know, it, it, people are encouraged and, and they saw Christ, they returned to their lives. And what did they do when they returned? They praised God. So they returned to the fields as different people. They returned to the fields changed because they sang praises and had a new perspective. Now we're called to the fields as well. And and as we're called to the field, we need to be singing praise to God. You know, if we have an intellectual understanding of Scripture and, and we can argue somebody into a corner theologically, it does nothing right? God did not, like the angels did not adva- uh, announce to the shepherds that Christ has come and he's the best debater in history and he's going to go out and he's going to convince people for their need for him. Like, no, he said he was going to come and bring peace to all men, peace to all people, and we should be peacemakers. We should be seeking people out and sharing the message of Christ in a way that is loving. And we should be living out the incarnation just as Christ did. Because just as Christ gave up his position and and became a man so that he could be with other people to reach them, we need to give up our positions. We need to give up the things that, that we hold to and treasure. And we need to become people 
to reach other people. So as, as we look through this and we think about Christmas, I, I think I just get distracted. I get distracted with the gifts and the family and the traditions, and I forget that Christmas is about reaching other people. And the greatest gift that we can give at Christmas is Christ. And the rest of them are just a distraction. So let's keep them from being a distraction this year. Amen? All right. Um, Just as you guys go, be seekers, be sharers, be worshipers, be singers of God's grace and his message. Uh, You are a people that have received a message from Scripture And you're going to go back out there and be changed. So as you go to work this week, as you interact with your neighbors this week, just think about the miracle and the sacrifice that that God made on our behalf. I'm going to go ahead and pray. Lord, I just pray for your spirit. You know, as, as, as you were incarnated as a man, Lord, as as you became one of us so that we might know you and that you could be an example to us. We stand here. We are not a unity of the divine nature and humanity. We are solely human. And we have all of those weaknesses, including sin. Lord, we cannot be messengers for you without you. So, Lord, I just pray that what you have made possible through your death and your resurrection, or what you have, have made possible in us, Lord, that we no longer have to be just humanity, but that we can be a, a, a unification of the spirit and the flesh, or that we can be human and be, be instilled with the power of your spirit, Lord, that our endeavor is not a hopeless endeavor because you are with us. Lord, I just pray that we would be aware of that. Lord, that we would be confident in it. And Lord, I pray for the people in this room right now. I pray for those that Christmas is a hard time because of loss and and things. And Lord, I just pray that you would remind them that in the same region of their loss, you are present. Lord, I pray for for those that are, are going through difficult times, Lord, of transition and maybe employment or housing or life change, Lord, in the same region, you are at work and you are doing a, a miraculous work changing who they are, that they might be more like you through sorrow and suffering. And Lord, I pray for people who have been hurt or people who are just in moments of confusion. People who have been hurt by, by others in the church or, or people around them, people at work. Lord, I just pray that you would comfort them. And Lord, that, that you would just remind them that it's not about us. It's all about you. Lord, that you were wronged also. That you stood falsely accused. That you stood and, and took on the sin of others so that you could pay for it. Lord, I pray that you would change our hearts this season. Continue to change our hearts. We know that you already have. That we might be a light for you that is more powerful than all of the little twinkle lights on these houses.
Lord, that we would shine in this neighborhood, in this community, that we would reach other people because of your light inside of us. Or just as John said, that you are the light and that the darkness has not overcome it. Lord, let us not be fooled by a lie that somehow we are overcome. Lord, we love you and we praise your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church, you can email us at info at covgraceminifee.org. May the Lord bless your week and guide your steps.